leaders must be repetitive. One of the reasons is if a group of 100 people gets five new members, the DNA of the group is changed. Whole new deal. I was sharing that with the men in our Bible study one night. Charlie said, five? He said, on a school bus with kids, one kid can change the whole dynamic of the group. And so, in being repetitive, my goal is for you to be able to know what I'm going to say. You know it so well. But at the same time, I don't want to bore you, too. So there's that tension of not wanting to leave things behind that are important. So the important things we have, the values we have, the emphasis we're going to make tonight are or maybe some things you've heard before, but they've been tweaked and thought through, and they're not just going to stay stagnant, but they are going to be static and alive, and, and uh, they'll be going somewhere, I believe, towards the future growth of our church. So I just want to thank you for coming. So I'm going to pray an opening prayer and then just show kind of an opening video. They call these opening videos bumpers now, so we'll show you a bumper. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together. We ask in your name, Lord, that you would bless us. Help us, Lord, to hear your heart for us. And, Lord, help this meeting not to be longer than it has to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Vision Night. Tonight's emphasis primarily is going to be on our Sunday morning gatherings, which is not the whole life of our church. Uh, as busy as we are in our 24-7 culture, there's pressure on the church to do everything they do in one service. You know, one service serves all type of gathering. Get in all your praise and worship and get in, you know, all your healing and all your repentance and all your getting your life right and all your money raising and all your fellowship because the rest of the week is so jam-packed and I don't want anybody to feel uh, shortchanged by the shift in the church where we're no longer attempting to do that. At the same time, I don't want anybody to feel blasted because you're only able to come one Sunday morning a month because your life is, is what it is. Our Wednesday night class for men includes a conference call because some guys travel with their jobs. And so one week we had someone call in from El Paso, someone else call in from Memphis and join with us. And during the discussion time, I unmuted their phones. They were able to add their two cents and edify the body and be fed. I think that same week we had someone down in Kerrville. The furthest we've ever had was someone called in from Cambridge, England. Steve Joy, who's a FedEx pilot, happened to be there. He sleeps on American time. It's 2 a.m. there. He stayed up and called in and joined in the Bible study. So we're just very much a 24-7 culture, and the church of the future, I think, is going to be a 24-7 church. And With that being said, I want to show you a humorous 
video of a church that's trying to get it all done in one meeting. Foolish virgins in will find they have here been left behind. They dirty empty vessels and left for thee. They awoke themselves to try, for they left some more to buy. But the bridegroom comes and we have only They had a good time, didn't they? Rejoicing about heaven, the way things are going to be. It's awesome. Have freedom. We have freedom of religion in America to do that. Just rejoice and have a good old time. Get it all done on Sunday morning. Got to get my cup full because I got six days of it getting drained. Are you with me? Wonderful. Except there's the E word. There's that thing we're assigned to do here on earth that we won't be doing in heaven. It's called evangelism. The majority of people that come to the Lord come to the Lord through relationships with people and with churches. And an unchurched person watching that or being in the midst of that would be freaked out. Would they not? Would they not? Now, I grew up in churches like that. We tended to believe if you came to our church, you would feel like what we feel, and you would say, what must I do to be saved? Like 1 Corinthians one you you'd fall on your face and say, God is in this place, what must I do? <laughs> We've had the very opposite. The churches I grew up in, y'all are nuts. Holy rollers, stuff like that. And we would even joke about it, you know. Man, God moved last night. We busted up four benches. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I don't want to make fun of them, but I just have two questions. Are they being good stewards of the visitors the Lord may have sent them? And if you were a member of that church, would you want to bring your unsaved, unchurched friends to church with you? Would you want to? That really is the key. They'll go and have a good time and enjoy it and get what they need, but they're probably not going to want to bring their neighbors who are going to be totally embarrassed and persecuted, not because of the gospel, but because of their methods. So with that being said, I would like to talk about our being good stewards of the guests, of the, guests the Lord is sending us. But before we do that, let's look at this passage about the stewards. In Matthew 25, the Lord gave five talents to one of his servants in this parable, and two talents to another one, and one talent to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. And he who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So his investment, he was, he was a good steward of that which was entrusted to him, and there was a profit, there was growth. 
Likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He didn't lose it, but he didn't do anything with it. Um, And then, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He praised the one that received five more. He praised the one that received two more. And he rebuked the one that didn't receive any and took that one that he gave the one and gave it to the one that now had ten. And then he said this, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now churches come and go. They close, and a lot of them should close. Maybe you've been part of one of those. I have. I was part of closing one. Needed to be closed. But I think the Lord is doing something unique here with this congregation, with us, where every Sunday there's newcomers. What are we doing to be faithful stewards, to make them feel welcome and to help them connect with people? What are we doing? They're coming for some reason. I mean, they could just stay home. They could. Some are churched. Some are believers. Some are ministers. Some are hurting bad. And so that's what I want to talk to you about, um, the why we're doing what we're doing. If you understand the why, then the why supersedes the methods. Because we have methods, but sometimes the methods don't work in every single situation. But if you understand the why, then you know how to adjust the methods. So the why is we want to be good stewards of God's blessings. If you have children, you want to be good stewards and raise those kids in the ways of the Lord and and pray for them when they go astray and be faithful with them. And, and if, they, if they are still astray, you still pray for them because that's what you do as a good steward. Everything in your life, it's your job. If it's your abilities, good steward. If it's your church, your ministry, your gifts, you want to be a good steward. Well, let's zero in. What about our guests? Are we being good stewards? I think we are, but can we be better stewards? I think we can. That's why we're here this evening. Being better stewards of the newcomers, God is sending us basically five points that aren't brief points, but they're big points. Number one, hospitality. This is our congregation. We are the congregation. And I think sometimes we have the mentality, this church needs to be nice to its guests. No, our congregation needs to value our guests. Somehow we distance ourselves. I remember when I was at Shady Grove Church in Grand Prairie, some young marrieds got together to have fellowship. And all they did was talk about why the church wasn't doing enough for young marrieds. Meanwhile, they were together. I said, hello, you guys were together. What did you do? You are the church. We are the church, right? So whatever we say about the church, we're saying about us. So our hospitality is based on the fact this is our house. The corporation of Generations Church, Shady Grove Church, DBA Generations, is a corporation. So it's owned by us. 
It's not owned by an individual. This is not Alan Lattice Church. This is the Lord's Church, but it's also our church. It's our congregation. It's our family. So when you come, you may live, you know, in an RV, but that's not your only residence. You also have a church. This is, this is your party house, as it were. This is yours. <laughs> what do we do with it? We obviously want to be hospitable with it. Atmosphere. We want to be friendly, right? Who wants to be a friendly church? Let's, let's tweak that. Let's work on being sinner-friendly. Not just seeker-friendly, but sinner-friendly. Sometimes people come to church with ulterior motives. Sometimes people come to church with problems they cause. But if we judge everybody as though they've got to have some level of maturity before we show them hospitality, what is that? What is that? And they need love. They're here for some reason. And I think it's easy sometimes to get used to, and I'm even speaking to myself, you get used to people just coming once a quarter or once a year or um, Christmas and New Year's, and you just kind of grow used to that. When, when they're here, this is an opportunity to minister life, encouragement, whatever. Um, in being friendly, I want to encourage you to, to never again all of us, I'm even speaking to myself, never again ask, is this your first time? Don't ask that. Um, One of our members was asked that six times by the same person every time she came. This is your first time. Because the room is what it is, and our memories are what they are, it's best to ask how long you've been coming here. And if it's their first time, they can say that and you're not offending them. But if they've been coming for a few months, they get offended. Does that make sense? Can we say that together? How long have you been a com- how, how long have you been coming here? Yeah, yeah. All right. Our terminology. I want us to change our terminology. Stop using visitors. What do visitors do? They visit, right? What do guests do? Stay for a while. Guest sounds so much more hospitable than visitor, but in reality, it's not. You're keeping them out like this. You're a guest. Let's start calling them newcomers. I don't care if it is their first time. They're newcomers. There's an inclusiveness to that. There's a friendliness to that that reaches out and grabs them. And I think I think the terminology can just be an empty label, but I think in reality it can actually impact our approach, our attitude, and even the tone in our voice. This is a newcomer. Does that make sense? Understanding. I want you to know why. We're still here because there's a job to do. Jesus said the gospel would be preached in all the world as a witness. And then the end will come. And I don't think that's talking about Christian TV. God bless Christian TV. I'm thankful for it. May he cause all the guys that are abusing that ministry to go off the air. So we are still here. We have a job to do. 
And that's why we support missions. But we have our part here. All right? I believe in knocking on doors. But it is work. It takes a certain amount of boldness. And there's nothing like praying up a storm for God's strength, power, and encouragement, and in filling up the Holy Spirit. And you get up in faith, and he helps you. But what we're talking about is something a whole lot easier than knocking doors. We're talking about they're knocking on our doors. Money can't buy what what we're having here. Tremendous blessing. Miss Laura recently had how many? Was it 40 kids in children's church? Was it 40? So something's happening. So we want to be responsible stewards. If we're not... Do you want to be part of a dying church? Do you? I don't think so. That's not a good witness for the Lord anyway. So we want to be a growing church. Um, Sometimes churches die just because they're weird. Sometimes they die because they're not friendly. And sometimes they die because they don't realize they've been given a stewardship. And it's not just my church. It's ours. And we're here the church is the one institution on the earth that exists for people that are not its members. We're here for others. The great commandment is to love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. Our vision is to know God and to make him known. So we come here to get to know God better and to help one another know God better and to make him known to people that don't, don't know him yet. And I believe he's sending people here like that. And also people here to help us make him known. That we would be that city on a hill that the word word talks about. That's why. Functioning. Tonight we're going to focus on three, three ways of functioning. These are methods. And the reason I'm doing this isn't so that everybody becomes a greeter or an usher or a host or both or all three but so that all of us understand the concepts behind what we're doing so that if you never sign up for one of these, or if you do and it's not your Sunday to serve in that capacity, you're still able to fulfill part of that role. Does that make sense? Being better stewards of the newcomers, God is sending us. I'd like for us to read something together written by a pastor from Journey Church in New York City, Manhattan, planted in 2001. And today it's in the thousands, and they have another campus in Florida that they've started. This is the first part of a book that he wrote, Condensed. So what you're going to hear or what we're going to read together is a condensation on these four pages of a book called Fusion, turning first-time guests or first-time newcomers into fully developed members of your church, which hopefully leads to fully devoted disciples of the Lord. You still need one? Just raise your hand. Bobby, you need one? Okay. All right. All right, it's it's story time. I think you'll enjoy this. 
Fusion, turning first-time guests into fully developed members of your church. Summary of the book. My wife and I moved to New York City in late summer of 2001 to plant a church. We were starting from scratch, but worked hard. And on Easter Sunday of 2002, we officially launched with 110 people in attendance. Over the next five months, with my dynamic leadership and powerful preaching, we grew the church down to 35. (laughs) Pretty discouraging. As I sought God for what to do, I felt led to look at our attendance history. I discovered that we are averaging three to four first-time adult guests per week. Over that five-month period, we had seen close to 80 first-time guests. We committed to prepare for them, welcome them, and follow up on them. Over the next two years, God helped us through trial and error to develop a system for assimilation. That's what we're presenting here. All right, so I'm not promoting his system, but the vision behind it, the reason why. As we developed and implemented our assimilation system, things changed. From our low point of 35 in August of 2002, we grew to 110 by November in November of 03, we broke 300. By November of 04, we had grown to over 500. Two years later, we passed 1,000. A lot of things changed over those years. But one thing stayed the same. We were determined to take care of every first-time guest God sent our way. Now, this is in New York City. This is Mission Field. Chapter 1, The Power of Assimilation. Have you had any first-time guests at your church in the last month? The last year, each of those people are gifts from God to you. Did you receive them? Did you handle those gifts properly by having a plan in place to assimilate them into the life of your church? Assimilation leads to life transformation by giving people the means and opportunity to become maturing followers of Christ. Assimilation is simply the process used to encourage first-time guests to keep coming back to church until they accept Christ and commit themselves to the local church. At the journey, that's the name of the church, we have committed to making assimilation part of our mission. We know that most people who visit a church don't come to Christ right away, but over time as they interact with God's people, hear biblical teaching, and get involved in serving, they often do. Putting a strong assimilation system in place is the best way to ensure that our newcomers will stay with us long enough to respond to God's pull. Some people criticize those of us who advocate healthy, growing churches as being all about numbers. At the journey, we do care about the numbers because each one represents a life, a life that has come to Christ or a life that is growing as a disciple. Your numbers gauge the effectiveness of your evangelism and outreach, and it is worth keeping track of how you're doing. Let me give you some numbers to think about. A church in maintenance mode will see roughly 3% of their first-time guests become regular attenders. A 5% ratio usually means a steadily growing church. I think that's where we're at. A 7 to 10% means a rapidly growing church. Here's the question. What is your number? Figure out your average attendance each month and the number of visitors you're getting. Then you can compare your growth to the number of first-time guests, and you will know how many you are assimilating. In training thousands of churches on this assimilation system, I found the average assimilation rate is 1 in 20 or 5%. 
while anything better than that should lead to solid growth, I suggest you pray for a rate of 1 in 3, 33%. That's what we have at the journey. And don't kid yourself. If your rate is better than most, there is always room for improvement. Chapter 2, Biblical Hospitality. Preparation is a key factor in any successful endeavor. As the old saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. When it comes to your church, you do a lot of preparation. You plan the service, the preaching, the music, the children's ministry, etc. You also need to prepare for the arisal of guests and all that follows. You should be prepared to show your guests intentional hospitality when they arrive. When they are with you, they should feel comfortable and valued. When they leave, they should get a return invitation that is hard to refuse. Your church represents God and his family. As you put a system in place to integrate guests into the family, you are cooperating with God when he sent them your way. You are showing them true biblical hospitality. Assimilation is really just well-planned biblical hospitality through service. A well-developed assimilation system will give you a strategic process for integrating newcomers into your church with the goal of helping them become fully developing followers of Christ. The system I'm presenting has worked at churches across the country. Still, I invite you to focus on the principles and customize them for your context. The specifics that work for 20 and 30-somethings that live in the city may not work in the suburbs. The system is built around a three-step process that leads guests from their first-time visit to becoming members. Number one, turn a first-time guest into a second-time guest. Number two, turn a second-time guest into a regular attender. Number three, turn a regular attender into a fully developing member. You need to make each step clear and accessible and have a plan in place that will encourage each person in your care to take their first steps and achieve these goals. In working with a multitude of churches, I have noticed an interesting phenomenon. The more prepared a church is to receive guests, the more guests it receives. This makes sense, doesn't it? Why would God send new people to a church that is not ready to welcome and nurture them? As we prepare to receive and care for new people, I believe we can count on God to send more. Chapter 3, Seven Minutes and Counting. Seven minutes is all you get to make a positive first impression. In the first seven minutes of contact with your church, your first-time guests will know whether they are coming back. I've also heard at the end of the service they'll know whether or not they're not coming back. That impression will shape how they experience everything that comes afterwards. Their first impression shapes their subconscious response as they evaluate if they are compatible with this new environment. The good news is that we don't have to leave that first impression to chance. The pre-service, from the street to the seat. Pre-service is your first opportunity to interact with people coming to the service, and it's particularly important for your first-time guests. Your mission is to make every effort to put your guests at ease and even put a smile on their face before the service begins. There are four initial areas of contact through which you can influence them, by controlling how they are greeted, directed, treated, and seated. Number one, greeted. Everything speaks to a first-time guest, everything. The condition of your building, your signs, your parking lot, it all makes an impression. Knowing this, you have to make sure you're sending a welcoming message. You don't have to be perfect. You just do the best you can with what you've got, which is the definition of excellence, our definition of excellence. 
The most critical part of the greeted area of initial contact is who your guests meet when they make it to the front door of the church, your greeters. A friendly face gives a warm welcome. A friendly face giving a warm welcome speaks volumes. It sends guests the message, we are nice people and we're glad you're here. Quote, unquote. As you put greeters in place, make sure they know how important their job is and exactly what is expected of them. Volunteers will feel more comfortable if you told them what you want them to say and how you want them to say it. At the journey, we have been known to have our greeters to smile practice. By the way, pick friendly people. Don't just take volunteers who you hope will be friendly. So if you're a grouch in the morning, don't sign up to be a greeter. You can do other things. Uh, Number two, directed. The second step in successful pre-service contact is to make sure your guests are quickly and politely shown where they need to go, either by signs or a volunteer or both. Signs are the single best way to ensure that your guests can find what they need. Two areas in particular that demand clear signs are the restrooms and the children's facilities. Helping people know where things are alleviates anxiety. If your building is the least bit confusing to first-timers, their anxiety will increase. Good direction and an abundance of signage can lower anxiety and put them in a better place to receive during the service. When your guests ask for direction to a particular location, your staff person or greeter should not just point out the way, but give them a personal escort. Number three, treated. First-time guests want to feel respected and welcomed. They want to know that you are happy they're, they're there and that you are serious about making sure they have a good experience. When you give them a consistent experience before the service starts, that makes them feel good. Their skepticism lowers while their positive impression and receptivity rises, leaving you in a good position or great position to make a real spiritual impact. Now take a step to go above and beyond. Providing good food and coffee is one of the best ways to show your guests you care about them, and it goes a long way to putting them at ease. Have you ever noticed how a 200-pound man in a crowd of strangers is more comfortable if he's holding a cup of coffee? That doesn't mean providing a full breakfast, but good coffee and some donuts or bagels, or in our case, muffins, can go a long way toward making a solid impression. Number four, seated. Once your guests have been greeted, directed, and treated, all that's left for them is to be properly seated. The reality is for the guest. Having to find their own seat can increase their nervousness. Will they have to crawl over someone? Will they have to ask someone to move over? If an usher does that for them, it will remove some potential anxiety. In the first seven minutes, all of these things work together to create an impression that will open a future door of opportunity for you to minister to them. With a strong pre-service in place, seven minutes is all you need to show your guests just how much you care about them and want them back. Chapter 4, Making Contact. If you want to have any hope of assimilating your guests, you must have a way to contact them after they left. Without that, the whole system breaks down. So once your first-time guests have successfully made it from the street to the seat, getting their information should be one of your primary goals. Most of your guests won't have a life-changing encounter with God the first time they come. It happens, but it is the exception, not the norm. Unchurched people usually need more than a single exposure to God's truth and the power of his love before they start becoming receptive to it. That's why it is so important for you to make them feel welcome and ensure that you know how to follow up with them 
and invite them back to church. There are a lot of ways to gather that information, but the one we use and have seen to be successful many times is a communication card, or the connection card, as some call it, is a card about a third of a page printed on heavy stock paper and inserted in the bulletin. Yada, yada, yada. You can even pass out pens and make gifts available at the service. So, bottom line is be prepared for your guests and do something to be prepared. It's not just y'all come back here or y'all be friendly. It's we've got to be more organized for that to happen. Our church is very friendly. So I think with better leadership, talking to myself, a little more structure, harnessing the friendliness that is here, oh my goodness, we can see more lives changed than ever. Here's ushers and greeters, and we're tweaking this. So if you're already an usher and a greeter, please listen up because there is a change in this. The greeter position is someone that uh, is stationed at the doors to pass out bulletins. The usher position is one that's at the doors but available to usher people to where the children's sign-in is, to where the restrooms are, to where they can be seated if service has already started, um, to where there's an airplane pilot if there is an airplane pilot, or someone that just retired to someone that just retired, or a car dealer to someone that's a car dealer, or electrician to someone that's an electrician. So. Anyway, so usher and greeter guidelines. If you are this or you're going to be this, receive this thank you. Thank you for serving the ministries of our congregation to ensure our effectiveness. Always keep in mind how greatly blessed we are to have newcomers among us. It's ten things we're asking. But keep in mind the reason why is to be good stewards of our guests. So we didn't think of everything. And some of these things may not fit in each scenario. But you want to be good stewards of our guests. That's the bottom line. Number one, wear your name badge throughout the service on your assigned Sundays. We'll make badges for you. We keep them out there in the greeter's booth, uh, the hospitality or the information booth. Number two, if you're serving our 9 a.m. service, please arrive by 8.30 and be prepared to also serve afterwards until 10.30. So you're serving at both ends of the service if you can. Number three, if you're serving our 10.30 service, please arrive by 10 a.m. and be prepared to re-greet our newcomers afterwards until 12 p.m. So service is over. Go outside. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. Don't say, is this your first time here and you're the one that greeted them when they came in the door? <laughs> just just, just uh, shift gears and say, man, it's great to have you. In case you forgot. Number four, after praying together briefly, begin greeting our newcomers and members by handing out the bulletin as they start arriving at our front and rear entrances. Number five, ask our second service attenders who may arrive early to not enter the auditorium until the first service is over. That's disruptive when that happens, especially if they have little ones. Number six, just, you know, there'll be coffee and stuff. Hey, just have a seat, you know. Uh, help all newcomers with children by escorting them to our children's ministry sign-in desk and anyone else to other specific areas they might be interested in. 
Number seven, join us in the auditorium 20 minutes after our service begins. Number eight, please sit at the posted usher greeter seats. We've got to repost them, but the seats there in, in the back in both corners. In the rear of the auditorium so that our latecomers can receive a bulletin. And newcomers can find a seat, of course. Be active in helping our latecomers find seats by getting the attention of those who are already seated so that they can make way for them. Please consider yourself as always being on duty before, during, and after your assigned services from 8.30 to 10.30 for the first and 10 to 12 for the second. Be sure to speak to our newcomers again after services as well as try introducing them to our other members. If you're unable to serve on your assigned Sunday, please trade your assignment with another usher or greeter in advance of the actual day. Remember, as an usher or greeter, you are most often the first generation's member our newcomers will meet. Never forget how important and appreciated you are. Now, back to reiterated why I'm being repetitive. In the past, we've tried things at work, and then like after a year, it's not working anymore. And we say, I've said, well, it just doesn't work here. Wonder what else we can try. And, then, and I, I've, I've been humbled. I've repented. That's not true. If it worked the first time, it'll work the second time. Just swallow your pride, Pastor Allen, and be willing to bore people to get the point across. Come on up here, Tom. Your first-time guest. Vince, can you step up here? Tom's coming in the door, and we're greeters. Glory to God, hallelujah, bless you, man. And it's good to see you. That's not the way to greet people. Hugging freaks men out anyway. When you read the newspaper, it seemed like once a month there's something about homosexuality in the church, so they're freaked out anyway. And so, But you also don't want to do this. You also don't want to do this. New newcomer comes in, man, weren't those cowboys awesome? Man, if they just made that deal. Oh, you want a bull? Here you go, buddy. Back to, hey, how's the Ford doing? Man, you should have got the Chevy. How does that make you feel as a newcomer? Ignored. Yeah. We need to stop that. If that's happening, don't do it. All right. Hint to the wise is sufficient. We have six sections of seats, primarily because men like aisle seats. So how can we make the maximum amount of aisles? Six sections. People generally sit in the same seat. Did you know that? They generally do. So the emphasis behind this, whether you sign up as a section host or not, is not as important as you are aware of. Every person in your section, you try to get to know them, whether they're a newcomer or not. You'll know if there's somebody in your section or across the aisle from you that's new. Whether it's your Sunday to be a greeter or you didn't sign up to be an usher or you're not a section host, by all means, Go and uh, welcome them and find out, you know, how long they've been in Granbury, that kind of deal. Section hosting. Since we all should want to bless the Lord in our community by being a healthy, growing local church, who wants to be an unhealthy, shrinking local church? Nobody. You guys would leave if we were that. We do not want to miss the opportunities we have been given to help us be better stewards in serving our newcomers. The ministry of section hosting is another way that can help them make healthy, help make healthy growth possible. What is section hosting? It's a ministry to help newcomers make connections in our congregation. Here's the bottom line. It's not that they come back, but it's that they make connections. They connect. When? 
We're talking about Sunday mornings before and after our services. I think when we do that greet your neighbor thing and lots of talking happens, people are making connections. <laughs> but sometimes when we end service, that's not happening because you got to go. Well, do something with your schedule where you're able to greet our guests and get to know them, help them make connections. Uh, where? At each of the six chair sections in our auditorium. Who? Section hosts are volunteers who are naturally friendly, love Jesus, and like people. I don't want to have smile practice. That's, that's fake. Um, I used to go to a church that would make us practice smiling. If you're happy, they make us sing this. If you're happy, notify your face. Who sang that? Take that frown off and show it to the human race. If you love Jesus, all right, I'll stop. If you're friendly, be a host. If you're not, I need help filling the baptistry up. We need help making sure the communion things are ready, stuff like that. I understand. You may shine late at night, and I understand that. So I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. Parts of the body all have their place. Amen? How do we do this? Well, we converse with our newcomers in order to get to know who they are and where they come from, as well as for inviting them to return and introducing them to other members, including Pastor Allen, if you can find me. Why? Most of our newcomers are looking for a good congregation to join, and research shows that they will often decide whether or not to return based on how they feel after the service is over. So, I mean, it's like we're on trial. We really are. And so, um, therefore, our helping them to meet more members is vitally important in helping them connect. They may not click with you, but there's somebody they're going to click with. So, help that, help that happen. Will. Will you? If you're a faithful member of Generations and are not already serving in other ministries on Sunday morning... Would you be willing to serve our church and community in this capacity? If so, please contact Pastor Allen, yada, yada, yada. If you have questions, we can brainstorm. All right. My emphasis today, I'm going to pass around three sign-up sheets if you want to. You can sign up, and it's not your cup of tea. You can let us know later. If you don't want to, you don't have to. And you may be a bringer kind of person. If this keeps you from being a bringer, well, I can't bring people to church. I've got to be a host. Don't. No, no. The host position is to help your job of bringing people to be more fruitful. See what I mean? So if you're a bringer, that's a whole other whole other deal. We all should be bringers, but there are some people that are really bringers. I'm telling you. Okay, here's what we're going to do. On this table is signing up to be a greeter. Your name, email, phone number, and whether or not you text. On this table is sign up to be an usher. Name, email, phone number, whether or not you're going to be a texter. And on this table is whether or not you're interested in hosting your section. Name, phone number, email, and whether or not you're a texter. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to meet together. In this last hour, we pray, Lord, that the things we've heard, the things we've shared, and Lord, I even pray for those things that didn't get shared, that that person would have the courage to, to uh, communicate to Debbie or myself or one of the elders or Joe 
as to what we need to change. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the freedom of worship that we have in this country. Help us, Lord, to exercise that freedom to its max with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. So you've got greeters, ushers, section hosts. If you're already an usher and greeter, we're assuming that you're continuing to be that unless you tell us otherwise.